0: Hello, all, and welcome to another episode of The Athlete's Advocate. I'm your host, Michelle Tack, professional basketball player and author of The Reality Behind the Glamour of College Athletics. Today, we are joined by the incredible Dania Houghton. Dania is a Vinilova alum, graduating communications and working and publishing for major sports and media companies such as Sports Illustrated, ESPN, NBC Sports, IMG Academy, and so much more. She's a digital creator and the founder of How to Move Without the Ball, the positioning playbook. Through her experience being an athlete and working alongside them as a women's basketball manager at NOVA, she has since then developed a passion for empowering athletes and amplifying their voices. Thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm
0: excited for the conversation as well. Um, let's start with your journey. You decided not to continue your athletic career in college. You got the opportunity to work alongside the women's basketball program at NOVA, and um, With that, why did you choose not to play at the college level? And then also, how were you able to develop a passion um, for empowering athletes and amplifying their voices
1: through the role that you played as a manager? I never played basketball, which is really weird because I'm super into it now. Um, But I've been around basketball my whole life because my dad was a high school coach. Um, I was a dancer. I ran track and played squash uh, growing up. So that's kind of where my sports background comes from. Um, But I would say part of the reason that I'm so passionate about empowering athletes is because of the influence of my dad being a coach and kind of mentoring um, his players. He was a high school basketball coach. Um, So the journey that he took. And so when I got to Villanova, I knew that I wanted to be a part of the big sports culture that Villanova has. Uh, And one of the ways that I figured I could do that was uh, to be a women's basketball manager and, you know, being on the road with the women and, being in practice and kind of in the day-to-day with them, uh, there were a lot of things that became apparent to me about their holistic experience um, that if you're on the outside, you don't necessarily get to witness and and see. So you may not be aware of the things that go on. Um, And so that passion really stems from, I went to a boarding school. So you take elite boarding school and elite athletics and you kind of combine them and that's where I'm coming from. and, And where my background is from. So there's a lot of things that are similar in regard to this sort of imagined reality. Like, yes, there are a lot of benefits and great things that happen when you're a division one athlete, or you go to this like great, you know, rigorous school, but there's another side to that. And the ways that we can, you know, better support um, our athletes is really important to me. Um, Cause I think there are aspects of their experience that are in some ways lacking, depending obviously on you know, what school you, you go to.
0: Right. And and though you weren't an athlete um, at Nova, you were the manager, which means you were with these athletes all day long. You traveled with them um, and you were able to build relationships with them and the coaching staff. As someone that was obviously a part of the circle, but had a different perspective, what were some things you noticed about the game and the athletes that played the game um, being around that, you know, environment and culture?
1: Yeah, so... I would say it was it was a great experience being a women's basketball manager at Nova, Um, just getting to know the girls. And I've always been passionate about sports. So being able to kind of have that very hands on experience with them was great for me. Um, And I would say it's it's interesting because being in it all day, you kind of see all the pieces that go into it right? It's not just practice and, you know, training and the game. Like there are so many other aspects of the larger game. Um, and that's, what's really intriguing to me. So depending on what school you go to will kind of determine, obviously the relationship between the coaches and the players or the training staff and the players, uh, et cetera. But, um, I think what kind of sparked for me was that holistic experience of the athlete. Um, and, what works and what may not work and what are the other kind of missing pieces to that experience? Um, Because obviously looking from the outside, you, you imagine that um, athletes live this kind of prized life. And yes, there are a lot of great things and the great benefits to being an athlete, right? Or at the division one level. Um, But there, there are pieces that could be enhanced and, you know, pieces of an athlete as a whole human and a whole person. Um, that can be improved when you look at the college athletic circuit environment.
0: Right, and I think for athletes, you know, when they look back on their college experiences, they don't really look back at what they did on campus or the social clubs that they joined. They look at it from a perspective of did they have a good career? Um, what were the relationships like with their coaches? There's, you know, the coaching staff, um, and everyone they came in contact with their teammates. Now, for you, were you able to observe a, uh, the relationship between coaches and athletes? Um, you know, I'm sure you've heard about athletes talking down on their coaches or not having really good relationship with their coaches, and and that plays a role to how they do on the court, um, but were you able to see the disparity there at all?
1: I would say yes and no. It kind of depended on the coach, um, but I think that speaks to a kind of larger discussion on you know having coaches and people on the staff that identify in similar ways to the people on the team. Um, and I think that if and I, I'm not saying the entire team needs to look like all the, the players on the on the on the team. Sorry, everyone on the coaching staff needs to look like all the players on the team. But I do think it's beneficial to the overall relationship um, to have people who identify with the people on a team. So the women the women on the team come from various backgrounds, right, whether that be religious or racial or, or whatever. Um, and I think that the more coaching staffs can reflect that, I think the better the overall experience is for the athlete.
0: Absolutely. Um, And getting that holistic view and perspective, being on the outside, but still being on the inside and being able to see all the aspects of the, you know, the athletic program, were you able to notice, you know, or confirm some of the feelings and challenges that these athletes have been talking about or continuing to talk about um, from your viewpoint, you know, like with, for example, Athletes, you know, talk about being mistreated in terms of injuries or um, the lack of, you know, importance put on education um, or just how they're treated on the court or off the court. Were you able to notice some of those signs that athletes talk about um, being someone that you were on the out on the outer end of it?
1: I'd say yes, to some extent. I don't have a ton of experience really, any experience on the sort of injury front um, and observing that. Cause I wasn't necessarily in those rooms where they were, you know, getting uh, treated by the trainers or anything like that. Um, so I don't have a ton of experience in that respect or in that regard, but as far as the kind of education and the transitional period that athletes go through at whatever point in their career that happens, um, I was privy to that. Um, and I think a big thing that came up was like not actually knowing <laughs> how to apply the things that you've learned, you know, in the classroom, but also in the game to now taking that and and developing a career. Um, that was one thing that became way more apparent to me that I'd never really considered prior to being a basketball manager for Villanova. Um, and so I think getting to see that on a regular basis and see how it affected athletes mentally um, was something that became very clear to me. And that's kind of where I've, in some ways, position myself um, in my own career is to kind of address those issues that don't necessarily get taken care of on a widespread level within college athletics.
0: Right. Absolutely. And at Nova, do were you able to see any programs that were put in place for athletes um, to help them grow out, you know, away from the beyond the game in terms of like their mental health or, you know, being able to prepare them for life after sports. I know every athletic program is different in how they operate um, their system, but were you able to notice
1: any of those things that were put in place for athletes? Um, me, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I said, I was mainly in practice or or on the road or at games with them. So I wasn't necessarily there when they were, you know, at the academic center that are with your academic advisors uh, within athletics Mm -hmm. to be able to better understand the resources. But based on the conversations that I've had with some of those athletes, it seems like the resources weren't adequate. And I feel like if a group of people (laughs) tells you that the things that you're doing are not fully supporting them or not supporting them in the ways that they'd like, or that would be the most useful, then I think we need to make a change at some point. Right. Exactly.
0: Now regarding your passion for athletes and wanting to amplify their voices even further, you found it, how to move without the ball, the positioning playbook. So what, what inspired that creation and what purpose does it serve for athletes and how are you utilizing it today?
1: Yeah. So it's kind of crazy. Like I had grown up obviously watching basketball a ton and I would just notice players like Steph Curry right maybe maybe his threes aren't falling right or maybe his shots aren't falling just generally Mm -hmm. and I would observe the ways that he would maneuver around the court and figure out other ways to make himself useful to a team and for me it's very clear why you know basketball and other sports translate to career like that analogy makes sense to me and so how to move without the ball kind of came from that um and our slogan is if you can't even if your shot is not falling, you can still fill up the stat sheet. And so what that means for your career is like, even if you're early on in your career and you don't feel like you have a ton of agency, right, within whatever company it is that you work at, there are things that you can do along the way that then help you achieve those larger goals and that bigger vision that you have for yourself. Um, And so my goal with how to move out the ball is to empower my peers to one, take ownership over their careers um because i feel like as young people often we're kind of told that we just kind of have to take whatever we get Mm -hmm. um and i don't i don't subscribe to that notion i'm kind of one of those people where it's like nah i'm gonna go i used to be one of those people i'll say that but now i'm like no i'm gonna create and design the life and the career that i want for myself and so i'm pretty much just trying to help other people also achieve that same thing.
0: Right. And being a contributing factor to this, you know, what differences have you noticed um, between athletes a few years ago to this new generation of athletes that are now demanding more and are not afraid to speak up, you know, those athletes that are wanting to narrate their own stories and own their own stories. um, What do you think change? And um, what what is what is the product of that?
1: Yeah, I think it's amazing that athletes are now taking ownership over their narratives because i that was a big part of the kind of media circuit that was missing. Um, you have all these people who don't necessarily, who are not the people that they're writing about, right? And you have them telling the stories, but it's like, yes, they're sitting in press uh, press conferences and, and getting answers, but they're not actually the athletes are not the ones directing the story. And so I think that the whole more than an athlete movement from LeBron and uninterrupted. And also I think Colin Kaepernick, um, and his sort of ongoing protest, um, with the NFL, like, I think those things really created this new version of an athlete that is like, no, I'm going to have a say in the things that happen to me and people that look like me in my community. Um, and really step into that and kind of own that space. And I think that that's so important for athletes when you think about their identity as a whole, because often um, other people look at athletes as, singular like all they do is play sports and that's all that they can do and that's all that they're good for and athletes are be, are saying no I can be an athlete I can be at the top of my game I can own a business I can you know speak out against social injustice I can do all these things um, and still compete at the highest level and I think that we're seeing a, a heightened consciousness within athletes and we're seeing it at a younger generation especially with the introduction of name image and likeness rights for athletes um, that's going to change the direct trajectory and the image of what people believe athletes can be and athletes are right
0: and being an individual that has published you know great stories um via the sports media companies that you've worked for such as sports illustrated nbc sports and aspn how do we encourage athletes to continue to speak you know their truth and and be authentic if some are criticized for what they say on some of these you know social platforms um because they hold some type of social status you know where is the balance there
1: yeah, that's tough because, unfortunately, there are a lot of politics that are involved within sport. And that's one of the things that makes sport so interesting is the integration that sport and society have and the kind of overlap uh, that you see when you look at those two things. Um, but I I think athletes just have to keep doing it and let everybody catch up because it's better for athletes to tell their stories from their perspective and share their own narratives. Um on like the Players' Tribune, for example, um, than it is for someone else. Like, it's cool that we have these journalists and journalists tell, you know, great stories, right? But I think having the person who actually lived the experience narrate and direct the story is increasingly becoming way more important.
0: Right, absolutely. Now, what were some things you learned about yourself, you know, and maybe the athletes who you were writing about or working alongside um, through some of these, you know, um you know jobs you've had through these social i mean these media companies um in the in the sports industry itself
1: yeah i think a big thing for me was the the mental aspect and obviously everybody describes the game as 90% mental but what does that actually mean in practice like yeah it's mental wellness but it's also us taking ownership of who we are and what it is that we want to do and what it is that we want to contribute to society. Um, and so for me, a lot of it was a mindset shift. And even in writing my own stories and, and just kind of studying different athletes, it's like the ones that are, that eclipse this certain level, like the LeBrons, Kevin Durant, Serena Williams of the world, like there's a mindset, a mindset shift that happens for them. Um, and I think the mind is probably one of the most powerful and most important pieces of an athlete is like, once you own within yourself that this is my story, this is my journey. And I get to dictate what happens and how that goes. um, I think a lot of things kind of open up.
0: Right. And were you able to get an idea of how these stories were chosen in terms of what they wanted to tell the stories that they wanted to tell or who um, they wanted to use to tell these stories? Was it um, who, who, you know, who was popular at the time, whoever, or who had the most followers on Instagram, or is it more so whoever had the most unique story to tell was the one that was chosen um,
1: to be able to be featured. Do you mean in regard to like news outlets, like from that perspective? Yeah. From that perspective. Yes. Um, It's probably a mix of both. I'd say some of it is kind of those, what, what are people going to click on or what is everyone talking about? And I think not in a negative way. I think News outlets just want to be part of the conversation, and some, and in some instances, spark conversation. Um, so yes, you get those stories that are truly, truly unique. But then you have those kind of similar things or st- similar storylines that always come up when you think about the NBA finals or the Super Bowl or All Star, or whatever that may be. Um, but I think in order to to fully depict our society, we need a mix of all those kind of stories. Um, and so I think the key there is just making sure that there's a diversity in the people who are telling the stories. I think the, the narrator is kind of one of the most important pieces in a story. Um, and I think the more that we can have different voices and different vantage points, you know, telling telling stories from different perspectives, I think the, the better off we'll be.
0: Right. You know, being in the media world is tough and I think it's even tougher for black women to occupy this space, you know, especially in the sports industry. As a brown woman fighting for athletes' voices to be heard, you know, what were some challenges that you faced um or continue to face in this space currently?
1: Yeah, it's definitely difficult to even kind of navigate the room itself, right? If you're in a room um where you know, an editor is talking about what stories we're gonna write about this week, or what what things we kind of want to focus on in a particular week. And sometimes, you you wanna <laughs> you wanna kind of go along with that, just to say like I'm here and 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 I I'm capable of doing what it is that you ask me. But then there's also a uh, uh, a certain level of like, okay, well now I'm gonna step out a little bit, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch a story, right? And I'm gonna. You know, go through the process of the interview and the editing and the writing and the editing and all of that and and kind of prove myself. But I think women like Taylor Rooks, Carrie Champion, Jamel Hill have kind of opened the door for a lot of us, black and brown women, um, coming up within journalism and even just the wider media sports landscape um, in a way that they step into rooms and they're empowered when they do that and they tell courageous stories regardless of. You know, potentially what the the backlash will be. And I think those have become those, those have been some of the most interesting stories that that those women have told. And so I think it's becoming better for a lot of us black and brown women. But again, we have to keep, you know, advocating for one another. And that's one thing that I've learned from a lot of them is like they're all they all support each other. And it's not like I'm I'm doing this, so I'm better than you, or I'm doing this, so you can't also be great. And I think that's one thing that as black women and brown women and and just people in general, we need to do a better job of is like we can all win, right? It might not all be in the same way, but we all have the chance and the opportunity to win. I think the more that we can kind of create that environment, uh, the better it will be for people coming up and just the world and society as a whole. Right. And
0: then the more we support and encourage um, people in this space, the broader our audience gets, you know what I mean? Because you don't know the audience that that person holds, you know, and 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 tapping into that demographic is so important for our stories to get told. Um, Now, in addition to move uh, without the ball, you also early in your career started a media platform called The Cover. And I wanted to know what was the
1: idea behind that and are you still active with it now? Yeah. So the cover is not active right now, but the idea behind it, and I worked with uh, a good friend of mine, Kaz Brown, Mm -hmm. um, who's a professional volleyball player. Um, But we built this site basically to tell the stories of athletes that often get left off the page. So it was launched in the midst of a global pandemic and uh, a country and a world kind of going through this racial reckoning um and so we were trying to figure out how do we even navigate this space but one of our goals was to you know depict those stories that are not necessarily going to be on the front page of sports of sports illustrated right or not going to be on on the home page of espn because we wanted to tell stories of athletes and like the real stories about athletes and so what does that look like from a mental standpoint what does it look like just a day-to-day standpoint like what is what is that experience even like Mm -hmm. um and so one of the things that we introduced on that platform was this series called Transitions. And it was basically where I sat down with former, either college athletes or former professional athletes to talk about what that transition period was like for them and the things that they considered. Part of it was to, so that I could better understand how to support athletes in that space, but also the other side was just so they can share their story about what that reality is. Um, and so, like I said, we're not, we don't operate it anymore, but what we learned from that and what I learned from that, um, still kind of, um, influences the work that I do now.
0: Right. And one of the topics you are certainly passionate about, um, that you also talk about, um, with, um, you know, uh, how to move without the ball is like the life after sports, right? Whether you're hanging it up at the college level, even the high school level or the pro level, you know, what are your thoughts about that and how can we help athletes in this space? How are you aiming to use, you know, how, um, how to move without the ball to answer some of the questions that these athletes have, you know, with their next step?
1: Yeah. So how to move out the ball is definitely still very much so in its infancy. Um, but, uh, where we're at right now is like the owning you, Mm -hmm. right. And understanding your role in your life and in your career, um, and actually consciously thinking about that. Right. So it's about you, you are the point guard, but it's also about surrounding yourself with the rest of your starting five. So whether that's your peers or mentors or sponsors or your family and friends, like building that team around you and that kind of community around you, um, is half the battle in a lot of in a, in a lot of instances, especially when you think about your career and how important relationship and relationship building building is. Uh, one of the things that I noticed, just kind of being around college athletes and being in that space, was they're often in rooms with people who do great things, mm-hmm. like business owners or investors or boosters or whatever. Um, but that line and that conversation never gets opened up to the athletes to actually explore those spaces. So part of what how to move out the ball does is allow people to understand how they can you know, be in different roles, whether it's an assistant, whether it's a manager, whether it's whatever, mm-hmm. um, and how you can use your position to as power for yourself and as leverage so that you can get to that next step and be able to better navigate those spaces.
0: Right, and I know you just said that you know how to move without the ball is still in its infant stages. But what are you wanting to do with it, essentially? Um, do you want it to be more of a consulting consulting thing, or are you providing products and services through um this platform? What what does it look like, and what are your goals with it?
1: Yeah, so full disclosure, I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> um, but I think part of it is creating this playbook, and whether that's you know a physical Thing or not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about building the playbook and then building a wider community around young people who are empowered and who are taking control over who they are in their careers. Um, and that's that's the main focus for me is figuring out how to build that community of people so that we can support each other in those in the stages that we go through. Because I've I always felt like whenever you read books like self help books or whatever, it's like people writing the book ten years after they were moved from the experience. And yes, I think perspective. Is helpful, right? Like if people, if you don't hear from people who went through it, it's kind of like, well, am I gonna make it? Mm-hmm. Um, or it can be like, am I gonna make it sometimes? Um, but for me, being you know, three years out of college now, like, and actually going through the stages, I think having someone and and building this community around people who are also moving through these same stages of kind of uncertainty, like we don't necessarily know what we want to do, or we do know what we want to do, but we don't necessarily know how to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I aim to do without, without the ball is to kind of create this space where people can talk about that and talk about the challenges and things that they've learned around, learned along the way, and, and me also sharing things that I've learned along the way um, from my mentors and my peers and just my own experience um, and kind of growing together.
0: Right. Absolutely. Now, you know, I kind of want to know your opinion about this. You know, who do you think needs help more? You know, when you look at the athletic population considering high school athletes, college athletes, athletes, and then professional athletes, do you think one needs more help than the other? You know, you consider high school athletes that are still early in their journeys, you know, so the help would be more um, relevant there, kind of mentoring them into their next step. Or do you focus on um, professional athletes that are adults, you know, and they're now leaving the game and are still discovering themselves, they don't know what they want to do, where, where do you think the, the help should go more towards? Or do you think it should be a balanced thing where we should all um, kind of mo- monitor all three parts of the game?
1: Uh, I, I think it's, I think there's a balance because I think at every level, whether it's the high school level, the collegiate level, or the professional level, uh, there are different needs for each group of people, but it's all in this one kind of continuous journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think maybe it starts earlier. Maybe it starts to start having conversations um with younger athletes because like I said the biggest thing for me is like it's it's a mind it's a mindset thing so the the more we can start to teach athletes and help athletes kind of own who they are and own their narrative outside of just I play this sport um and and recognize like I do all these other things too that are really cool and I have an opportunity to create whether that's a business or just create a platform um I think the, the, the earlier we can kind of get athletes to start thinking about that and start thinking about themselves. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say like as an enterprise or a business, because that kind of commodifies them too mm-hmm. much. And I don't think that athletes are commodities. Um, but ath- I think the issue with that is like other people have commodified athletes as opposed to athletes using their assets and using who they are to create things that they want. Right. Um, so I think the earlier that conversation starts to happen about just like owning who you are and it's okay to play basketball and also like painting or pottery, right? Or, or, whatever it is. Or like, I think the mind is the most important thing. And so the needs will be different at each level, but the mindset that you need to kind of have as you move through it, or at least start to get on the journey, um, is, is the same.
0: Right. And, and as someone that's in the space currently, you know, do you think those individuals that are already out there, um, occupying the space and either have platforms or businesses, um, wanting to empower athletes or mentor athletes or providing services and products do you think so far we're doing a good job with that or do you think a lot of people um are using athletes as brands to kind of you know push themselves into uh different spaces that they want to be in but not so much caring about the athlete themselves what do you think about that
1: I think to an extent yes that happens but I th- think we're also in an age of change where athletes are now stepping into their own power Mm -hmm. and creating their own companies and creating their their own brands. Um, And I think that will become increasingly more popular and more apparent, especially when you think of this new name, image and likeness era for athletes. I think right now we're seeing an influx of kind of these endorsement deals. But as we move further along within this kind of NIL era, I think the more we'll see athletes kind of really consider like which companies am I value aligned with and, and what can I use that, what can I start with, right, that helps open up a lot of other things for me. Right. Um, so I think that's kind of where we are right now. Um, and again, I part of it is also like having people in the room with decision makers that look and identify with the people that they're making decisions for. I've always said it's it's interesting to me how Um, A lot of decisions are made for athletes and about athletes without them. Mm -hmm. And I think we're in an age now where it's like athletes are going to start making decisions for themselves Mm -hmm. um, and creating opportunities and things for themselves. um, And it's beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's so good. Now, for those individuals listening right now that want to connect with you, get in touch with you, inquire um, about what you're building or or when it'll it'll be out you know, and, and want to help in whichever way or whatever the case may be, how can they get in contact with you? How can they connect with you?
1: Yeah, so they can uh, find me on LinkedIn, Dania Houghton, um, or on Instagram, at Dania Houghton. Um, those are probably the two main platforms that I'm on right now. Um, and like I said, we're, we're building How to Move out the Ball. So eventually, I'm working on building actually um, separate platforms for that. But right now, if you want to connect and have a conversation or you have thoughts, um, I'd love to talk <laughs> <in> <laughs> those, those are the best two areas to kind of reach me.
0: Awesome. Now this has been such a great conversation, but before you go, what is one thing you would leave with our listeners today?
1: Yeah, I would I would say um one of the things that I think about a lot is uh maximizing my chances of winning and my chances of being successful. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of components to that. There's a mental aspect to that, there's a there's a community aspect of that, but one of the main things that has become important for me on my journey is the people that I'm around. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nipsey Hustle has this quote where he says, if you look around your circle and you're not inspired, um, then you don't have a circle, you have a cage. And so I would say the most important thing right now is to surround yourself with the right people, people who inspire you, people who challenge you and people who love you. I think those are the main groups that we as young people kind of need right now, because you need that support system, but you also need the people that you can look up to, right? And, and aspire to, achieve similar things right or and the people who kind of challenge us to be our best selves um this is the time to kind of explore and and be free and i think the people and the environment that we put ourselves in um is extremely important
0: ladies and gentlemen she's also a motivational speaker That was so good. Thank you for that. Um, you know, thank you so much for being on the show today and um being such a huge advocate in the space and wanting to empower athletes um to own their own stories, their ideas, and even their own brands. You know, a lot of the times, like you said earlier, you know, athletes are stepping into this, this, you know kind of mind frame of wanting to be their their own individuals right they want to tell their own stories um they don't they don't want to go through a third party anymore to to do that and be that and so thank you um and we are looking forward to supporting you through your journey you know of the platforms that you're building right now um and keeping up with all the projects that you're having um that that you're currently working on and uh, will be out too. so thank you
1: so much for joining us thank you so much for having me